The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. All right, we got a lot to get to. Hoping to get through most of, if not all, of the rest of the Eastern Conference Summer League evaluations. But I want to remind you that we are supported today by Masterclass, which offers exclusive access to online classes taught by masters of their craft. Learn everything from game design to basketball to French pastry fundamentals. My wife is doing Margaret Atwood's class right now. You can get unlimited access to every Masterclass with $30 off at masterclass.com slash capspace. That's masterclass.com slash cap space for $30 off your first year of the all access pass masterclass.com slash cap space all right let's get right into it here Danny with the Chicago Bulls and uh, I think the place to start is their number seven overall selection Kobe White I'm interested in your thoughts on this because if memory serves you were a little bit higher on Kobe White than I was and my general feel for him in some really again this is broad strokes not like him shooting three of 30 on three pointers or anything specific like that but broadly speaking I thought Kobe White looked like the guy I expected to see in his first summer league and I was fine with that but I I wanted to see if you a felt the same way and b if you did whether that changed your evaluation at all no it didn't really the two things about him that were concerns for me I I guess you could say three things one is just is the jump shot going to go in well three for 30 was not good but you know to me he wasn't having bad misses I I thought you know he wasn't shooting off balance It, it looked pretty consistent I thought he was able to create separation pretty well for the jump shot off the dribble Another concern was getting to the basket and and specifically finishing at the rim. I, I thought he got to the basket quite well. And the finishing was a mixed bag. Certainly when he was really contested by bigger guys, it looked very, very poor. He had a lot of pretty ugly misses uh, around the basket there. Got a little better as time went on in the summer league. At other times, though, he was able to attack guys, try to be physical. Did shoot about five free throw attempts per game. And especially as he was going into smaller players, he was able to get the finish. But yeah, he doesn't have a ton of craft. And then the short arms, which showed up uh, on defense a little bit as well. He doesn't get amazing extension, but I did really love what he was able to do in transition, especially as a passer. He's a very good transition passer. Uh, had some turnover problems uh, as well, but I, I felt kind of similarly to him. You know, I don't think he's as good a prospect uh, as Trey Young, or even last year, but I felt pretty similarly about him as where, okay, some of the overall numbers weren't that great, but just watching him, I felt like he was about what I believed I had evaluated on film. 
the most memorable game for me from White was against the Pelicans when Nikhil Alexander-Walker did a really good job on White. We'll talk plenty about Nikhil later. But something that I did like from White, even though I thought he got outclassed overall in that game, was that he was getting worked, especially early. And then White fought back and had a good second quarter, including some pull-up baskets. And you don't want to see young players, when they get beaten and when they get outplayed, to get discouraged because Kobe White's going to be playing point guard. He might be starting at point guard. Almost every starting point guard is going to be better than him at the start. And so you need those, you need to have guys that have the mentality of, I'm just going to get him the next time because that's that's really the way to work through it and to thrive in the NBA. And then once you your skill level starts to move past some of those players, then you can really put the pedal to the metal. A couple other thoughts on him. He had a couple of ankle issues, one in practice, uh, and then he re-injured that uh, pretty early on in summer league. Uh, I did think overall he moved his feet pretty well on D. I thought he competed uh, as hard as you'd hope, especially for a point guard who's coming out at, after his freshman year. A lot of those guys uh, are just atrocious defensively. Uh, again, I, I, I liked his ability to create separation off the dribble, get some looks uh, one-on-one. Uh, he showed a little bit of growth in the pick and roll early. He he had some success finding the roll man. Then he would, uh, the defense adjusted to that and he started getting some of those pocket passes intercepted, but then he was able to adjust and start looking for shooters on the weak side. Uh, there are a lot of guys missing shots uh, off of his passes. So I, I feel pretty good about him. I mean, obviously any point guard of his age coming in is probably going to struggle. You know, even someone as good as De'Aaron Fox had a real struggle his rookie year. You know, I'm not expecting a Trey Young-like season, but I'm encouraged by him. And yeah, you know, the jump shot's going to have to go in. He's going to have to continue to improve as a passer, though I think he's made strides in that area and uh, the finishing as well. But, you know, I think he could be a threat off the ball and they did play him that way uh, a little bit. Uh, Chandler Hutchison missed most of, of calendar year 2019 with that sesamoid bone fracture in his foot i think the number one issue for me with him is that the jump shot looks very very awkward still Agreed. Yeah. And that's both in terms of like kind of the mechanics and also the success. So he played a little bit over a hundred minutes, 26 minutes a game in four games, only took 10 three pointers, only made two of those 10. He did get to the line and hit 79% of his free throws. Again, small sample size. That's not huge. But along those lines, I mean, for a guy who just doesn't, you know, who doesn't dominate like driving to the basket or anything, Hutchison had 13.5, averaged 13.5 points per game, but it came on almost 13 field goal attempts per game. So that's just incredibly inefficient, true shooting percentage about 47%, which is not great. And my my big thing with returning first round picks, especially if they're lottery picks, which Hutchison was not, he was taken 22, is if I, I, I tried to do this mental exercise of if I didn't know where they were drafted, would they be popping? Because, uh, you know, obviously rookies and, and non-NBA players are, are going to take some adjustment. They might not pop in that setting. And players who do not, that's when I kind of start to really freak out. Dragon Bender was an example of this. There, there are plenty of them over the years. And for me, Hutchison was pretty clearly in that group. Maybe the injuries factored into it, but if I hadn't known that he was like a late first round pick, I wouldn't have thought that by watching play. Yeah, I mean, he does have some decent ball handling ability, some decent passing ability. Finishing at the rim also did not look particularly good. You know, I think he is a guy who looks like an athlete, but isn't really a great NBA level of athlete. And, and, 
you can go back to his NBA season stats where he had only six blocks and 23 steals all season in the 44 games, 894 minutes that he played. Uh, so, you know, I don't think he's a defensive difference maker. I think he can be acceptable on that end. So, I mean, the jump shot, not only missing it, but looking a little reluctant to take it, being slow to get it off, not a lot of versatility. And recall too, his age as well. He is now... 23 so he's gonna have to make some strides here and obviously the bulls have Otto porter in front of him now you know i could see him really not denzel valentine is coming back he'll probably play some at the three i could really see him just kind of ending up being a a wasted pick and there just hasn't been much encouraging now you know he hadn't played in a while maybe there's a hope that it could look better but you'd think at least he's been working on the jump shot and there just it was absolutely zero improvement there so not an encouraging performance by him for those who are expecting him to be a quality rotation player this season i would say that it was an encouraging summer league for daniel gafford gafford was a potential a rumored fringe lottery pick back in 2018 decided to stay in school at arkansas and fell into the second round went 38 despite not having a particularly bad year at arkansas he just people realize the centers aren't as valuable and I really liked Gafford playing with activity he played with energy and bounce and that helped generate a a series of his open looks he was also actively defensively active defensively but there are the differences between summer league and the full NBA in terms of spacing and attacking guards will be challenging for him early just like almost every single young big that comes into the league and this comes up with John Collins a lot and I don't think that Gafford is in that level but I did like Gafford's second jump a lot and that can be a really nice uh, adjustment thing and a, a way that guys can get can can create an advantage Bagley has a good second jump as well and so with Gafford my, my kind of my important takeaway was it was served he served as a reminder that there are always a Gafford or two in the modern era in the draft where it's like a, a talented player who you know probably not going to be a starter but could definitely be a part of a rotation and then if they work out perfectly then they become a starter and those players just fall into the late first early second all the time so if if a big is not a Elite. And sure, they're they're elite bigs in, in a lot of classes. Just don't take them high because you can find players, you know, Mitchell Robinson, Daniel Gafford, like those types of players just because teams have adjusted to how this works. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was a very encouraging summer league for him. He averaged about a block every 10 minutes, which was good. You know, the knock on him was that he's a little bit too slow and unathletic. You know, I didn't see that much. I thought he showed NBA level finishing ability around the rim, getting up for alley-oops, played very hard, sprinting the floor in particular, looked good running with Kobe White got a couple of nice passes from him in transition you know other plays were sprinting the floor he didn't get the ball but sucked in the defense and transition got an open three for one of his teammates uh I do think that he's a little bit slow for where you'd really like him to be. I mean, there's a reason, you know, he lasted until the second round. And, you know, if they're running an aggressive pick and roll coverage, you know, he wasn't that quick getting back into the play once he had to get out uh, on the floor. But, you know, I wouldn't say he's like slow. I just wouldn't say he's particularly fast either. Um, Defensively, he was more about getting the blocks in the air, which while those certainly count and are helpful, they also have a little bit less deterrent effect. He wasn't quite getting in front of guys, getting verticality in part maybe due to the the lack of quickness you know, i didn't think his recognition was unbelievable but still you know the number of blocks uh, that he had 14 blocks in, in five games it is encouraging there so 
liked what I saw from Gafford overall. And, you know, I think he clearly has the physical tools to complete and plays hard. And that makes you a backup center in the NBA if he can continue to build on that. Uh, Cleveland, only guy who played for them uh, with Darius Garland and Kevin Porter both sitting out due to injury was uh, Dylan Windler out of Belmont. What did you think of him? Well, he definitely got a lot of shots up. I mean, he had, he had 9.2 shots per game. And when I watched Windler, I, I kept on trying to piece together like what his ideal role is. I did like going back through it a little bit because I, I, he did some things with the ball in his hands that I enjoyed. And I went back and looked and at Belmont, he transitioned like a lot of players do from being a kind of a lower usage guy to becoming a higher usage player as an upperclassman. And he was pretty, you know, had a solid assist to turnover ratio those later years. So I think he can do a little bit with the ball in his hands. He had some really ambitious and some really nice makes too as a jump shooter. Yeah, I had a few like uh, step backs from NBA range. Yeah, that absolutely. Pretty good. Yeah, and he shot 35% overall. And I, one of, you know, he, despite shooting 35% for three, had a 53% true shooting, which is below what you would like. So I, I just kind of need to see more of him. My, you know, it, that offensive role of kind of complementary, you know, like tertiary ball handler and shooter, you have to be a really good shooter to make that work, unless you're a strong defender, or capable defender as well. And we'll have to see that with Windler with time. But, you know, there were, there were enough pieces when a guy when when a player is a rookie even if Windler turns 23 before the start of the season so he's a little bit older he had some plays that made me think he could be a be a rotation player and obviously Cleveland considering where they are in the success cycle should do what they can to figure out which of their young guys is gonna be a part of their future like they they don't have to push for the playoffs even at the very beginning of the year yeah certainly the defense uh, is a little bit of a concern uh you know he had one block and three steals in six games he's not very athletic not a wingspan guy uh avoided turning the ball all over which was good considering that uh, this cleveland team didn't have a ton of other threats available we talked about the three-point shooting i i thought that you know again not a, a large enough sample but to determine anything as far as how often the ball is going to go in but he looked pretty good shooting it also uh, the lefty is able to get to his right hand has a pretty nice ready floater also really impressed with the way that he sticks his nose in on the glass uh, one problem that he has, though, is that he's got a little bit of a lower release, so that can create some problems in terms of getting contested uh, on his spot ups uh, or step backs. Uh, you know, he can't come off of screens. They ran a few play for the for him to do that to shoot the ball. Um, I don't really see him being able to finish much off the dribble in the NBA. A lot of it was having to go for floaters off the glass. Uh, only shot twelve free throws in six games, so. It, Although he definitely doesn't back down from a physical perspective, he's not really able to put the defense in those compromising positions where they're forced to foul when he attacks off the dribble. So he's going to be a shooting specialist. That's going to make or break his career for sure. I think having some ball handling ability, some passing ability, and the rebounding, you know, I think he's going to be a defensive liability, but I think he's going to at least play hard and he's got some strength and physicality to him. So there's a little bit more here than just the pure shooting specialist. And he's really, you know, more of a three type of size than, you know, your Landry Shamit type of size player. Detroit actually had a lot of guys that we need to talk about, uh, about nobody too sexy. We could start with uh, Sekou Dumbuya. Didn't play but 13 minutes and uh, was dealing uh, with a minor hamstring issue only, only played one game when he was out there i thought he looked about as advertised had a couple of nice cuts which is something that we saw on film as well where he's not just hanging out at the three-point line every time when a guy drives he's able to cut in behind him you know and it's not the omri Caspi. i'm going to cut right into your path it's the guy is driven to the basket drawn the defense and then the cut comes in behind uh 
looked as athletic as I had hoped. Uh, was one of four from three, had a couple of really bad misses, was, was aggressive shooting those. Got out in transition, looked like he was playing hard. Uh, I did hear that there's a little bit of skepticism about him from an age standpoint of whether he's actually, you know, is 18 right now. He's listed as going to be turning 19 in December. So that that was because that's a, a big part of the appeal there for him. But th- that's about all you can say based on, on 13 minutes of action uh, that you know, he, he seemed about no obvious red flags and he looked pretty athletic out there. Looked like he could hold his own physically. Yeah, no real arguments there. And then the other three Pistons worth discussing are all second round picks from 2018. The guy that I'd like to start with was the middle of those selections. Bruce Brown, guard out of Miami, played a fair amount for the Pistons last year. And Brown is high, a, a lot of players who kind of have his pro file I end up not liking and sometimes resenting because you know offensively (laughs) he's high he's high volume low efficiency not a great shooter but he just competes so damn hard and he's active defensively and just gets after guys and he can create enough for others you know I think of him offensively as more of like a you know like a maybe a secondary option on the second unit type of guy but I just enjoy watching him play I enjoy how much he gets after it and for some reason I just give him more credence than more guys like him and that was true last year on the Pistons and may I don't expect the jump shot to turn around. He was 32% in Miami at you know Miami College and 26% last year as a piston. But I don't know. I just there's just something about him that I want to give him more of the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, certainly defense has been his calling card, although he's a little undersized to check like your absolute best wing scores. Uh, but you know, he's kind of more of a one-two defender, maybe can get some threes who aren't that strong. He showed a lot of improved skill level, but not in the areas you'd think you mentioned the jump shot he was only two for ten wasn't even really looking to take the three-pointer that much he did have the ball quite a bit the biggest thing that was exciting for him was he had a triple double he had 33 assists in four games and a lot of that was set up they weren't really playing a traditional point guard they just didn't have that player Kyrie Thomas V and him were all kind of sharing the ball handling ability uh ball handling duties and just his ability to get to the basket with hard driving moves kind of similar to these straight line Malcolm Brogdon type of drives clearly not anywhere close to that level of shooter but just attacking quickly in advantage situations you know he's not unbelievably athletic where he's going to just go up and dunk on guys but is just able to get to the rim get his shoulder into the guys create a little window to put it in off the off the glass before the shot blocker can arrive uh he definitely was turning down wide open spot ups which is a, a problem and he's just you know he's gonna have to get to the point where he can take those i mean uh, much similar to bruce bowen who uh pretty close name wise to him you know he's gonna just at least from the corners gonna need to be able to get that done so but it is an interesting thought of the way he handled the ball you know maybe they would try him a point guard a, a little bit this year you know they they did sign derrick rose but he, he's gonna have some injuries third string point guard wasn't great reggie jackson also a, a health risk you know they've got tim Frey also now but that might just be a thought that you can at least take advantage of his defense a little bit more against the opposing point guard the the opposing team's primary pick and roll threat and you won't have this issue where you got to just hide somebody defensively like they've had to for a while so I thought it was very encouraging 
it looks like he's evolving a skill set that is going to be a tough fit offensively but also maybe with the right usage and maybe certain plays being called enough shooting around him it could be something that could evolve for him um anything more on him or you gotta move on no we can move on uh let's let's go to Svi Mikhailuk who was drafted 47th in 20 in 2018 so but by the Lakers they the Pistons acquired him at the trade deadline I continue to like Svi's game 11 points three rebounds 4.2 assists in 28 minutes a game shot 32 percent on threes and and I like some of the recognition plays like there was one I try to remember who the opponent was where he just had a he had a nice drive a euro step and and a pass for a layup and it was he created this the, the passing lane by the Eurostep, which is something that I really like. It's not just like doing a Eurostep because you can. It was it was actually getting a benefit from it. He did turn it over on a similar play the next trip down the floor. But, you know, as a possible, you know, like backup or third string shooting guard, I think you can do can do a lot worse. Also, you know, Pistons having team control of him after this season is is useful too. So, you know, like if the Pistons think of themselves as they probably should as a potential playoff team, I don't know how much you want to put on Spee's shoulders, but I like having him in the mix is a possibility yeah i mean they are a team that has been searching for shooting for a while luke Kennard, a similar player is of course going to be ahead of him but it looks like he's a shooter it looks like he's able to make shots and, and offensively certainly much earlier in his career you know he was more of a ball in his hands type of guy still does retain some good passing ability got some ability to shoot coming off of screens to, to rise up and he competes defensively short wingspan but reasonably quick feet and he gets after it really well you know he was taught pretty well at kansas as a longtime player there to get into guys and at least try so you know i think he's definitely an nba player uh the way that he shot the ball he's had had some real big games for the south bay lakers last year uh what, Kyrie wait, Thomas? One, one yeah, go ahead, note on Svi. he's been on our radar for such an incredibly long time but yeah. he's still just 22 yeah uh Kyrie Thomas blew up with seven threes on, on the first day against uh, Croatia. He's mostly playing at point guard. I didn't see a ton of athleticism from him. He did get to the rim for a dunk at, at one point, but it wasn't an impressive dunk. You know, it was one of these wide opens where, all right, he got it. He did, in fact, dunk it, but it wasn't like it, you're really wowed by it. Uh, a lot of mid-range twos for Thomas also. And with his level of athleticism, it's really going to be the jump shot that's going to determine a lot of where his career ends up to me. Well, yeah, especially because he doesn't get to the free throw line. I mean, he got there twice in 140 minutes in summer league. He also didn't get there a ton as an NBA player last year. And while he did much better overall in the G League last year, getting to the free throw line was not exactly a strength for Thomas. And it he, the, the jump shot is such a swing skill. And I, I was interested and he, I thought he was worth, worth the digging because in the sample that I have largely had of Kyrie Thomas, the jump shot really hasn't been there. You know, like he struggled in summer league this year. He struggled as a piston last year. And I can't remember what he did in summer league last year, but I wanted to go back and look at his G league stats. And so, you know, he was 29% as a piston last year. He was 38% this year on a pretty good volume. And then from from three, from three, yeah, this is all from three. But then last year in the G league, he was 46% on threes with a strong attempt rate. And he he played a a solid amount there. So, you know, that's a bigger sample size than the NBA. So I think, 
think it might just be that I've kind of caught him at bad times. I also didn't see the Croatia game live. So, and that was his best game by far of Summer League. So, yeah. I, I like, you know, it, it was good to remember that, like, the limited portion that I get to see of any of these players is far from their whole re- resume. And so, I, I wanted to see more of him moving forward. Yeah, especially when you're talking about the shooting. We, we had that in the last episode with Theo Pinson. Like, oh, actually, he shot 38% from three in the G League. Some guys, that doesn't seem to translate. I remember, like, DeAndre Liggins had, like, some pretty good shooting seasons in the T- in the G League years ago, but never really felt comfortable at the NBA level. Uh, and for Thomas, that Croatia game was great, but just a, a lot of mid-rangers outside of that. Only He only had 10 assists uh, throughout the the Summer League week, in contrast to Brown. And I think they kind of moved more as the week went on to giving Brown more of a the on-ball looks. So uh, I'm not... I still struggle, like, all right, what exactly does this guy do? You know, he can create some shots. He's got a decent handle, but he's not really explosive. He doesn't have amazing vision. So is the shooting going to be his calling card? And, you know, but he still wants to dribble the ball a fair amount as well. So I, I still have difficulty perceiving his role at this point in time. Uh, quickly, Davidas Servitas, who is the number 37 overall pick that Detroit acquired, doesn't look like he's going to come over this year. And he was pretty much a non-entity. He only played 6.9 minutes per game over five games, didn't start any, and he only got up eight shots. He was three out of six from three, kind of a lefty, looked like a guy out there, basically. You know, there wasn't much in terms of physically just looking at him that stood out. But uh, so last year for him, he played at the junior level with the Letuvas Ritas. And it was relatively quiet there. Uh, also, 36% from three. So not a name I think we'll be hearing anytime particularly soon. Uh, we're going to skip Indiana because uh, our director of basketball research, Ben Dull, that is his team. And so we will bring him on at a later point to talk about them. How about Miami? Miami only really could because Casey Apala didn't didn't get time. The only, also there was an issue with actually acquiring his rights that took a while because of the st- structuring of some of the trades and everything. Thing. So really, the the only draft pick that played significant time for them was Tyler Hero, who Miami drafted 13th overall this in 2019. I saw him not in person in Sacramento, but saw him of course in person in Vegas, and I was not particularly impressed. He, you know, not to me, he's not dynamic enough dribbling or passing to be a reliable on-ball creator against like you know NBA competition. And he's he's young enough like that. I'm just saying as of right now, like I'm not writing him off forever. So that means it's really about whether his jump shot is is for real and his off ball movement and everything else and I'm not quite there yet for that you know he shot 17 to 51 on threes that's 33% he made all, made almost all of his free throws but it's a hard niche to you, know, you have to do a lot right to be able to succeed in that unless he's better on ball than I he looked like to me so you know I wasn't I wasn't particularly enthused with my first experience with Tyler Hero he was being asked to play out of position at point guard. I was impressed with him defensively. He had a, a quote where he found out at the combine that he had a negative wingspan. And he was like, I was really surprised to hear that. I never let it affect me before. And I, you know, I've always tried to make plays and he does make plays defensively. He has good anticipation as a smaller guy. The, the lack of wingspan isn't as big of a concern. He definitely had the ability to get his shot up off the dribble from three out of pick and roll, not explosive enough to necessarily put a ton of pressure on the room they also ran him off some screens as well he, he had some times where he really heated up 
but you know he also had a little bit of like the kevin knox narrative where he had some big games and people were like oh my god this guy uh but you look at the overall stats and it wasn't necessarily as impressive in individual games and overall but i mean if you look at it his pick and roll ball and those by far his most common play type 35 percent of the time 37 points on 40 possessions is not bad and he shot 11 out of 22 59 percent effective field goal percentage off the dribble out of pick and roll so and that obviously includes a, a lot of threes i mean that's that's a very good number he almost never got to the basket out of those situations again because he's you know just not that type of athlete to put pressure on the rim and the finishing when he was able to get there was not amazing he's only five out of 13 at the rim in the half court and his floater game was not working either it was one out of nine on floaters so he, a big part of why he overall wasn't that efficient was due to the fact that he wasn't able to do as much in the lane in the basket area but i think in terms of just how good his jump shot looked i thought that was impressive and and yeah he may not blow by guys but if you can shoot the three-pointer off the pick and roll i think you could be an offensive weapon and he did show some flashes there so i, I think that and the way he competed defensively didn't look out of place so i think that you know is he gonna be a player for the heat this year no but you know they certainly have helped a lot of guys improve their toughness and athleticism and the shooting looked about as i expected that's what he was supposed to be so i felt pretty good about that overall for him and we'll see what kind of minutes and role are available one of the standouts for miami in summer league was kendrick nunn nunn has bounced around a little bit over the last couple years he played in summer league for the warriors last year and then didn't make their roster he averaged none averaged 22 5.2 assists and 4.3 rebounds also almost two steals a game and he had a, a big jump in terms of his like playmaking he had an assist rate over like 31 percent, which is very good also improved his efficiency as a scorer now i think he might be miscast as like there there's some murmuring that he might be the backup point guard in miami you know doing really well in summer league isn't isn't a sure thing maybe he's an option for that but they should probably have more than one option for it but it's always good to see a player who's kind of bounced around a little bit have have a successful run it looks like his contract's going to get guaranteed in Miami so that kind of stability and maybe he can really put it together yeah I think now like 150,000 of his contract has guaranteed and with Miami's hard cap issues you would imagine if they're willing to guarantee that that he has a pretty good chance of making the roster and, and none was very effective out of pick and roll as well one point per possession on 48 possessions which is a, a ton pretty good on spot ups as well I mean he did everything that you could possibly ask him to do as you know, and he's about like a six four six five score type lefty uh he's going to need to round out the rest of his game you know his spot up game looked a little bit better than i thought it had in the past what about uh duncan robinson out of michigan who spent time uh, on a two-way last year with the heat and now is uh up with the big club well, so Robinson, it's unusual to have a player who has a who had a pretty good summer league, but it wasn't nearly as good as last year because he was just molten shooting it last year. But I thought he, I thought he did pretty well. You know, he he was effective as a shooter again, thirty four percent scored reasonably effectively, thirty fifty seven percent true shooting, capable. You know, like cap, capable as a scorer. You know, like not a not a guy you want like running things, but he can be an effective part of your offense. I still I'm not sold on him. You know, like defensively for being in like a, a heavy rotation 
role. But again, you know, like if he's one of the last three to four guys on your roster, I I think that's totally fine. And it looks like that's what he's going to be for the Heat. Yeah, the big number that was exciting for me was nine three-point attempts per game that's that's pretty good and you know they had some other guys who were running a, a, a lot of pick and roll and that were able to set him up and he did shoot it pretty well off of spot ups coming off of screens you know he wasn't quite as effective there only five out of 20 on those but again the fact that running plays like that for him that he, he's able to get that shot off you know clearly the coaching staff believed in him as a shooter he believes in himself as a shooter he's able to get those shots off and so again this is a heat team that has found ways to use guys like that has empowered guys like Wayne Ellington in the past so maybe there is a role uh, that Robinson can carve out the heat always seemed to have some level of injuries at one point or another in the season so certainly solidified himself uh, as an NBA roster player in my mind with this performance and he's got some pretty decent uh, athleticism and sub modicum of ball skills as well he had 13 possessions out of uh, the pick and roll so before we get to Milwaukee and the Knicks among many others uh, of course I have to tell you about Masterclass who's back as a sponsor really enjoyed having them last year and of course uh, as a basketball fan the one you're going to be interested in is shooting ball handling and scoring from Steph Curry and you would imagine given some of these incredible names that they have doing this uh, serena williams uh, does tennis for example i think i'm gonna actually watch that one before i go visit my buddy in birmingham alabama i haven't played tennis in a long time but he and i always play so i'm gonna see if i can uh get my serve refined i've got one of those serves where because i'm six six it's like absolutely devastating the 25 percent of the time that i get my first serve in and then my second serve is just this in- incredibly pathetic dink serve that i just please 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 go between the lines uh so maybe i can do a little bit better on there uh, with some help from serena but the production quality of these classes is just outstanding you'd imagine that some of the names that they have are not going to put their names on anything that isn't just the absolute highest of quality and you know it's not just sports as well french pastry fundamentals game design basketball my wife actually independently she didn't know that masterclass was going to be on as a sponsor she actually purchased uh their all access pass because she's working on her writing skills and so she's been learning from margaret atwood i asked her about it she said it's really fantastic a lot of stuff i mean she was was an english major and she's learning a ton of stuff from margaret atwood that she was never taught in school they've now got over 60 classes new ones are being added all the time they're only about 10 or 15 minutes long so bite-sized chunks that even if you're busy you can just Find time during your day for those you can explore in whatever order you'd like, your phone, tablet, Apple TV, your computer. They also have a 30-day money-back guarantee when you sign up for their annual membership. So you've got nothing to lose at all. If it's not your thing, you can always take advantage of that money-back guarantee. But I highly doubt that you will. And these classes, it's not just video instruction all of it is accompanied by exercise to actually learn the material. You're not just sitting there absorbing the information. They provide stuff where you can put to work and actually get better at it. So you now have unlimited access to every masterclass. As a Dunton listener, you'll get $30 off at masterclass.com slash capspace. That's $30 off your first year of the all access pass. You can even use it as a family if certain of you uh, have different interests so you can really take advantage of of getting over 60 classes and they continue to add new ones uh, as well. That's masterclass.com slash capspace. Don't forget that slash capspace URL to let them know that you came from us. Bucks here. It was actually it was good to see Feldman the other day because he uh he was wearing his dunked on Bucks here t-shirt. Go to uh, nateduncanmba.com and click on the, the merchandise 
tab bucks uh, did not have a ton of names playing for whatever reason dj wilson was not playing i didn't hear exactly why well, that he, was he you played remember? a little bit but it was i think it was later in summer league and it was a little bit disjointed it was it was strange yeah, oh yeah but okay yeah because because the games that i saw from them were early i generally try to watch most of the early games because guys usually end up sitting out more later on but uh did, did he do anything I, I didn't see that at all actually i didn't even do any work on him no it wasn't particularly positive for for wilson um he, he ended up you know playing playing in three games playing about 20 minutes a game and not really not really putting much up i actually i think i caught the end of one of those games and he just kind of seemed like he was out there i'm more interested in what dj wilson's role is on the actual bucks because i i liked him best at center last year and now with robin lopez in the fold i'm guessing that happens a little bit less and but maybe there are some power forward minutes available we'll have to see how budenholzer wants to run that but yeah he didn't he didn't do much in the the those summer league appearances and remember the bucks traded away their first round pick to dump tony snell's contract so and and dante divincenzo did not play so then really the only other guy that participated that's going to be a part of their team next year for sure is sterling brown brown stood out to me athletically early on like he tried to drunk on christ kumuje which i thought was impressive i, I he it wasn't successful yeah, that's that like seven four dude yeah. out of florida state yeah, there, were, there were a few it. of those like sean bradley dunk targets in summer league this year which was fun nobody really went after taco fall but some of the other guys kumuje in particular people did go after again small sample size not going to stress too much about it but brown shooting five of 28 on two pointers isn't exactly encouraging especially because he only got to the line five times in about 90 minutes but yeah it seemed really clear to me that he when he can't get in his body into guys you know he's not really going to be able to finish that well and they had him playing point guard i mean this is you know that's what summer league is for sure and you don't want to say oh well because he wasn't a good point guard in summer league he can't be effective at the nba level he was trying to expand his game but that did not occur successfully it seemed yeah and that's about all i really have on the books <laughs> but we have plenty more on the knicks Oh yeah, I mean, so let's let's start with R.J. Barrett. Oh boy, it was basically this is one of those ones that we talk about where you see some red flags for a guy in the scouting report, and you don't want to make too much of summer league. But when those issues from the scouting report that we did on his college film also show up in summer league, you start to acquire a level of concern. Yeah, I'll start. I'll start actually start just briefly with the positives. I still liked a lot of his passing, and he did some good work as a ball handler in the pick and roll he had a 1.2 point per possession which is 93rd percentile i believe among summer league players in that had some nice assists and that's impressive considering how bad his jump shot was. He was 23rd percentile uh, per synergy with a 0.66 points per possession as a jump shooter. That is just awful. Absolutely awful. 6 of 21 on threes, 16 of 38 on twos. And he only, I mean, he was a disaster in isolation, which was, you know, I, I remember as being more intriguing at Duke. But again, small sample size, 14 possessions. But I mean, a lot of the shooting based stuff was just immensely concerning. The shooting was one, obviously. I mean, the the NBA three just doesn't look like it's there yet. You know, there's been talk again that, he, that he's trying to rework the jumper. He certainly wasn't shy from there, at least, but he wasn't shy from the college three either. Uh, the other major concern was the ability to create separation off the dribble. And, you know, one sequence that stood out is being guarded in, in that first game against New Orleans by Trump Blewett, who is a shooter but his weakness uh, as far as being an nba player has always been that he's slow and unathletic and blew it had no trouble staying in front of him in an iso uh teams were definitely onto the idea of forcing him right every single time uh but even when he was able to get to his left he wasn't able to get by guys now he does drive physically he was able to get 
to the foul line for 26 free throw attempts in four games will that translate because again he's not really beating his guy he's kind of getting a little bit of a shoulder past the guy and kind of just trying to go through him and you know a lot of times that results in a foul you know these are not nba athletes in large part that he's going against it and guys in the nba are much more experienced at not following and and frankly nba referees generally aren't going to give you the call unless you've already created an advantage or there's you know one of their triggers where you know it's kind of the bullshit foul drawing which rj you know is not necessarily doing i did think that uh the jump shot misses were not close uh, that was, was a big problem uh, as well and you know he also really struggled in that new orleans game trying to guard frank jackson who is uh, his primary matchup it also is kind of hilarious that at times he at least that first game when after which they shut down uh, alonzo trier uh rj was kind of getting frozen out and like there's one point where he's wide open on the wing and he kind of jumped up and down like all right yeah get uh get used to that on this Knicks team not not a lot of passing and a lot of miles to feed uh offensively um the good news though you mentioned the passing that was really outstanding five assists a game and even better was his rebounding he is a tough player he really gets in there for defensive rebounds tries to push the break although somehow he was only five out of 18 in transition he missed a lot of shots at the basket in transition uh, a lot of threes there uh i've got a couple other notes on it but you got anything else you wanted to add well he only had six unguarded catch and shoots in all of summer league and he only made three points on those six that's that's definitely concerning yeah i was surprised in the transition things as well and and i thought that there were there were a lot of times where he did a decent job pushing he just could turn it into anything that at least anything that that he converted there were sometimes yeah, he's where, certainly aggressive you yeah can't, absolutely you can't fault his aggressiveness yeah so so th- those were positives overall um 1.7 assist to turnover because like sometimes when guys are good passers and i have no problem with this in especially in summer league but also in, in the season itself for young guys is they can be aggressive as passers to turn the ball over i thought he had a nice mix of like throwing good passes and not throwing that many bad ones and that was surprising to me i mean because he because he shows good vision and good and good control it's it's not just he's like with the, I and I don't mean to rip on Jose Calderon for this, but like there are some guys who who really throw a lot of safe passes and don't throw a lot of unsafe ones. I thought that Barrett did a nice job there. The other thing I'll give him some credit for is that he's working on his right hand. He clearly recognizes that that's a weakness. He even was trying to take some flows with the right hand. It's not natural to him. And you know, you just as you watch him play, he's one of these guys who plays with the left side of his body forward at all times, even when he goes to his right. But he definitely was trying to finish with the right hand more you it's still mechanical for him you still kind of see like the thought bubble above his head of like oh i'm on the right side i guess i have to shoot this with the right hand it's not natural to him yet but at least he hasn't been doing the bring the ball back into the guy with his left hand on the right side and just get it blocked or or have to just force up something impossible and that actually didn't look awful with the right i mean he's still not as comfortable driving there he can't shoot with the right hand while really going as hard as he can with the left hand he's still gonna have to work on that a ton but if teams are just gonna give him that alley you know hopefully he can get to the point where he can take advantage of it. and i do think he has an awareness of what the weaknesses are in his game and he's working on it. it's just a question of whether he can actually improve these weaknesses enough and then the biggest weakness to me that you know one is the jump shot and the other one is just the lack of real ability to create separation off the dribble in most circumstances and you know i'm not sure especially the explosion and then the jump shot too he also shot poorly again from the free throw line 65 percent in summer league was about there at duke as well so uh, those are the two big concerns for me which is a shame because i do think he has a lot of uh, i really like most of the other aspects of his game outside of the shooting and the explosion get to the rim but those are uh, you know pretty important they are and we can move on to kevin knox knox was the ninth pick in 2018 
mean, I what what I enjoyed about his summer league was that Knox hit his hit his spot ups pretty well, and he made a difference in transition. And while it'd be exciting, you know, some of the stuff that he did last year in summer league, and and I know Knicks fans have been intrigued by by Knox throughout the years or throughout the year plus that he's been on the team now. And honestly, if he hits his spot ups and and works hard in transition and can actually defend, which he did not do last year at the Ford spot, that's actually a pretty decent player. Like it, it you, I'm sure some would be disappointed if that's what it ends up if that's what it ends up being um and you know he had 25 use 26 usage so he he did more than that but that's what i started to see with Knox was maybe a you know a more modest sort of a more modest sort of role that could end up working for him if he can actually hit his jump shot which i still don't totally believe in and actually defend which he still needs to actually yeah and we've said that for a while that he kind of has had the mindset of someone who wants to be a primary option but really perhaps more the skill set and the athleticism of someone who could be a really valuable player on the wing if he's able to embrace his role get a little more physical on the boards and defensively and remember still a a very young player i believe he's still only 19 at this point in time i do believe in his jump shot a little more i mean i don't think he's going to be a 40 percent three-point shooter but i think he can be you know a high volume 35 36 percent type of guy and that's right about where he shot at 50 percent three-point attempt rate eight out of 23 but seven out of 23 on twos wasn't great he did get to the foul line for 36 free throw attempts in four games and showed a little bit more passing as well particularly in transition he was able he does handle the ball reasonably well in transition found guys running the floor mitchell robinson was great for all of these knicks players uh, in giving them an outlet at the rim uh, who could finish uh but yeah i mean in going back to your initial point there the self-created offense was bad the pick and roll stuff the post-ups the isos and then he was actually quite efficient with the spot ups in transition and so I thought his defense was a little bit better than I recalled it being, although that's damning with faint praise if there ever was so I, I thought this this summer league showed some encouraging signs i mean it doesn't i mean knox could be out of the rotation next year for, with all these guys they signed and you know marcus morris is probably gonna play the three so, uh barrett may have to play some at the three too so we may not even see that much of knox next year uh but i mean he showed great bounce as well i mean he can get up for some pretty nice dunks uh, so it, it, it again he's so young there is some raw potential there got to get better defensively got to become more of a role player you know I mean, he really had such a green light last year in summer league and on a terrible Knicks team, it's going to take a while for him to evolve, but I'm certainly not willing to write him off yet, despite what was a miserable rookie season. When you look at actually contributing to winning basketball, I continue to like Mitchell Robinson. He was their second round pick last year, 36. He Robinson is still, this will be his age 21 season. He's 21 right now. And he did exactly what I expected. And you could argue hope for in summer league, 15 points, 11 rebounds, 3.3 blocks in 20. 26 minutes a game, incredibly effective, kind of more the DeAndre Jordan model where it's, you know, it's dunks and not a whole lot else offensively, but that's totally fine. I don't think you need, you need much more than that 10% block rate. And I, mean, I think he's an NBA rotation player right now, whether he ends up being a starter or not, we're just going to need to see more about his recognition, whether he stops jumping on every single pump fake that has ever existed. But I just continue to really like Mitchell Robinson. Yeah. And he shot over 80% from the field, getting a lot of big dunks in alley The one disappointment for me was 
was he didn't wasn't quite the same dominating force on the offensive glass when I mean, you remember last year this wasn't going to continue but he was like 26 percent offensive rebound rate uh, last year and you know it was more in the 11 percent. i mean in this setting where he's basically the most athletic guy in the whole summer league you'd hope that he could maybe just totally dominate on the offensive glass he did show some decent touch around the basket on non-dunks uh, on a couple of plays and you just see what his gravity uh, whether and he's got decent hands as well uh, to catch bounce passes if it's not going to be an alley-oop you see how helpful that is where it's just much easier for guards out of pick and roll to get him the ball rolling to the basket than just about anyone else uh alonzo Trier only played the one game against new orleans looked pretty good offensively the jump shot uh, was going in for him he was getting to the basket uh last guy we could talk about for them is uh ignis brazdikas who i saw at the 2018 hoop summit of lithuanian descent but uh plays for canada now uh, out of michigan started off with the three-pointer I, I think he looks to have really improved his skill level off the dribble and 11 of 19 from nba3 looks really good he's you know six seven six eight got some pretty good bounce off of two feet as a lefty so he's got some athleticism when he can load up and the other thing that really impressed me was his work as a pick and roll ball handler with 19 points on 20 possessions shot a couple of long jumpers including some threes off the dribble and then was able to get to some straight line drives and you know he's kind of profiled more as a power forward when i saw him at the hoop summit but you know really looked more like a combo forward with some ball handling and shooting skills you know he and knox together you know who you want to say was the three and the four in that combination you know they're both kind of combo forward types of at this point in time uh also has a nice right hand for a, a lefty and his first step uh off the dribble is okay um obviously if he can continue to shoot the ball like this from three that is very encouraging that's going to be a big part of whether he's going to be able to contribute because uh, and i also thought he had a couple of nice passes as a big roll ball hitter so you know it's not going to be hey let's let's uh get up to the line of scrimmage and throw it to ignis brazdikas and let him run a pick and roll but on plays where he can attack off of a closeout or on a secondary pick and roll situation you know it looked like he might be able to be effective the defense will be a question you know what doesn't necessarily have a position not a rim protector he's got a shorter wingspan challenging shots even on the perimeter and you know it got beat by some pretty middling guys on just straight one-on-one moves off the dribble it doesn't have a lot of lateral quickness either but certainly you would say for guy who's the number 47 overall pick a very encouraging summer league to be sure yeah i'm wondering how the front office is going to handle brad zikas in terms of westchester versus new york because i i think it'd be good to get him significant reps both places especially if the knicks end up being non-competitive which let's call it my instinct at the moment because in westchester on the G League team, he can get more of that experience with the ball in his hands. He could see more as a passer. But then, realistically, unless that shows way even more growth than than he showed in summer league, Brzezika should get some reps as a defender and then as a lower usage guy, lower ball, lower like lower yeah lower usage guy on the Knicks. And I think it's good to get both those. He's twenty, turns twenty one in January, so getting those reps and yeah, I, I liked the look of his three point shot. He also made thirty nine percent of them in Michigan, so not a, not a big surprise that it. That it looked that it looked good there, but yeah, definitely more encouraging from Bazdikas than I had expected. Being, I think, less familiar with him than you were. For Orlando Mobamba, coming off of uh, that fracture in his leg, only played one game 
did you hear precisely why that was it didn't uh it's not in the top of my mind right now of why he only played the one game was it just well I, I think they were being really cautious with him i was incredibly frustrated because i was trying to see bomba for summer league and then i missed that game and that was also a game when lonnie walker played well and then he just they just sat him the rest of the time so i think it was kind of like you know they didn't want to push him too hard he had a good game put up 15 points on five of seven from the field and three of four from the line and then they just went no i i guess we're good so and he played 15 minutes to put up those stats and then they just sat him for the rest of summer league and also that led oh yeah yeah here i've I've got it here actually uh john denton they held him out as a precautionary measure the decision had nothing to do with the stress fracture that ended his rookie season in january uh they said his leg is fully recovered so uh i don't know if it was general soreness but uh they held him out after the one game so um i i did see that one game i could talk about that a little bit though sure he was two of two on threes i thought that he's not doing the like jump to the side thing as much on his three-pointer he still really sucks at setting screens he's getting pushed around quite a bit uh you know he was on a minutes limit uh you know the shooting coming along to me is his biggest hope right now um because he just doesn't look comfortable handling the ball on the perimeter like in the dho game he gets pressured up very very easily now worth noting that this is his first competitive action since january and he did have 15 points in that game and a good plus minus uh but yeah not a ton of physicality and uh, also worth noting that he just never seems to catch a pass cleanly which is a big problem uh, again this is his first time playing in a while and you know he's not a natural feel kind of guy it can take him a while to get back into rhythm but you know this has always been a problem for him i always felt that he was really a disappointing finisher around the rim doesn't have great explosion gets pushed off his spot doesn't catch it cleanly there's just a lot of plays where you throw it to him around the basket and he just doesn't convert to um defensively took up space in the lane didn't didn't have a ton to say uh, about that in his one game and then melvin frazier did not play he had a right tibia stress fracture uh, you'll recall he was uh, drafted in the mid-30s last year out of Tulane as a three and d wing hope but uh did extremely little all right we'll get to philly momentarily they have some interesting guys to talk about but first this from another company that i've been using quite a bit on this trip audible you get three titles now every month as an audible member you get one audiobook plus two audible originals that you can't hear anywhere else they also have over 100 audio guided fitness programs free access to the new york times wall street journal and washington post been using that quite a bit my wife and i have been listening to the wheel of time series nice long series for a 10,000 mile road trip and that's been really enjoyable you can adjust the speed on audible as well we've gotten ourselves up to 1.25 speed which is about as fast as i can go for a book podcast i'm a little faster but and i mean i've probably i've been an audible member since 2005 they just keep getting better and better and you're basically getting an audio book a month plus access to their originals and all this new content that they've added now as well you can get a free 30-day trial to give it a shot here and you get the your first audiobook plus two audible originals that's a pretty good pace for me to listen to about one audiobook a month i mean there was a time back when audiobooks were like 50 bucks and you had to get like 30 cassette tapes to listen to them all and now uh, that's just so 
so much easier with audible and the ability to listen on faster speed as well there's just nothing like being able to listen to a good book uh, when you're on a long trip or, or when you're on a commute and you actually want to get in your car so you can find out what's going to happen next the way to get started with them audible.com slash cap space easy room slash cap space as we talk about all the time in the program or you can text the word cap space to 500-500 not joe 30330 but 500-500 that is cap space to 500-500 or even easier audible.com a-u-d-i-b-l-e.com slash cap space or text cap space to 500-500 all right let's get to philly here who do you want to start with well i think we should start with batiste Thibel. they picked him 20th overall after they got squeezed there had been widely reported interest that Elton brand was infatuated seems like a word we're use, but i'm going to use it anyway with him and so i think i believe it was the celtics that squeezed them out of an extra pick kind of like they yep. did with alfred payton years ago to the orlando magic and it was my first First time seeing Thibel because even though he was a Pac-12 guy, UCLA had Bryce Alford as the coach, so I didn't watch much this past year. And I so Thibel's defensive reputation precedes him, and there is a lot to like there. I mean, he had he had steal and block rates both around 3.5%, which is very high for this setting or most other ones. And I, I was interested that, you know, like he was good man to man, but I don't think he was as dominant there as I expected. It's just that it feels like he's everywhere else on the court, too. <laughs> You know, he reminds me of former Sixer Robert Covington from a defensive standpoint. Yeah, yeah, better as a help guy than a man-to-man guy, and I, I can see it. Yeah, it makes makes some plays, you know, a little thinner as well. You know, we didn't get to see him quite in, like, ISO lockdown mode. There's just not that level of scores necessarily in the summer league. But, you know, defensively, there's, you know, with him coming out of that 2-3 zone, you wondered how that was going to translate. But you, know, you do perhaps develop some better help instincts and steal instincts in that type of a defense. And he had played man-to-man before. Before Mike Hopkins came to Washington as well. The thing, so I thought, you know, he really did make enough plays defensively to where I was like, yes, this is the real deal. I understand why this guy got drafted for his defense. What I was most impressed by actually was the offense. I mean, there was a concern. I think he averaged like 12 points a game his senior year, but the three ball to me looked pretty good. Uh, he even ran like an, an ATO with him running an Iverson cut, run three, his footwork looked pretty good. Um, you know, the handle is not great, you know, as a grab and go guy, I wouldn't want him doing that, but he can put it on the floor for one or two attacks, especially going to his left in transition. He, he had a nice drive, uh, a nice hard baseline drive, had a couple of cuts as well. Uh, you saw some of the defensive playmaking ability where, you know, the guy who was guarding beat him around a curl for a mid-range jump shot. He was able to come in from behind, block the shot. He was able to make some anticipation steals of passes in transition. So I, I think he, he was as advertised. I think you, uh, Sixers fans should be encouraged by this summer league performance. Yeah, especially because Thibel not being dynamic with the ball in his hands isn't isn't that particularly significant of a problem. Yeah, I mean, he's just got to survive. Yeah, you don't. You, that's not something we expected to be a part of his game. It's not something that needs to be a part of it. And I would say the jump shot looked better than I anticipated. So yeah, I, I think he he's overall in a good place. I wonder. So he's listed at at six five, two hundred pounds kind of like where what he's best at guarding but as as we talked about i'm less concerned about that now with thibault than i was before because now that i understand that he's he's more he does so much as a help guy and kind of in the in those opportunistic covington type ways then if he's not the equivalent of a shutdown corner and he's more of an overall disruptor not having the like necessarily the size to check the biggest guys is is a far smaller problem yeah and they've got plenty of guys on this team That's true. who can help them i mean they've got ben simmons who can guard the 
these bigger guys so you know having him as as a playmaker and you know he shot 11 out of 28 from 3 28 of his 42 field goal attempts were from downtown and he had 10 steals and six blocks in, in five games so right on track there zaire smith I, I thought that he looked very solid uh he seems to have regained the athleticism lost uh, through that trying episode uh, with the allergy and you know he had one alley-oop where he just went and got it like way behind the corner of the backboard they ran a few set plays uh for that he also was aggressive shooting the three ball coming off the screens a, a little bit they ran some shooting sets for him and again you know is the big club going to be doing that no this the, the point of this is to have him develop and he ended at five out of 16 from downtown in five games passed the ball reasonably well uh the above the break three was going up uh, with no hesitation they did play him some at the four as well you know that's part of the problem with this philly roster right now is you know smith really needs to play the two and you know i think the jump shot looks like it is coming along to some degree again there's only 16 attempts so you can't go crazy with it but just good to see at least the athleticism is back the the one criticism i had for him uh is that his footwork off the catch is not really very tight right now he had a lot of travels and near travels uh when he was trying to put the ball on the floor out of out of triple threat off the catch and drive on closeouts uh and he used it uh last thing that i'll say that was good is he used a lot of energy running the floor to get out for dunk so uh, encouraging i mean not a dominant summer league but uh, one where you at least he's back to the point where it's like okay we we see what it was that caused him to get drafted in the first place and i brought this up with brazdikas earlier but how the Sixers manage Smith and Thibel. I'm guessing Thibel won't spend a lot of time in Delaware with the G League team, but for Zaire Smith, depending on where he fits in the rotation, maybe you give him some spots down there to kind of get some of his to get some of those fundamentals back, depending on where you feel your coaching staff can do a better job with that. But I, I wonder how they're going to handle Zaire because it feels to me like it's maybe harder to get him into the rotation at this point. And it might even be that they don't really need either of these guys, just depending on, on how it shakes out, especially because they got some guard depth with guys like Holoneto. So they'll, depending on how they structure the rotation, they might not need it. So we'll see what Elton Brand does, see what Br- Brett Brown wants to do with that. And another player who's on, which is exciting, on a fully guaranteed contract is shake milton so milton last year got drafted to 54 signed a two-way contract and you know spent most of his time in the g league as most two-way guys do and i don't think they could have planned this ahead of time like i i'm i'm remain interested on how that's going to kind of work with these late first late second round picks that get two ways but so we got a three-year fully guaranteed contract with a fourth year team option and you know milton didn't have a great summer league in terms of like the stats you know he was one of 13 on threes that we did make his oh, free yes yeah. I, I i would say not a great would be uh pretty nice i, I, I like I mean, shape milton so i'm gonna be polite it, to him he was yeah I, I i thought he was pretty decent too but yeah i mean six out of 36 32 <laughs> percent true shooting yeah that's, and, that's yeah not and, and yeah and one of 30 i mean he didn't get to the foul line for 20 attempts in three yeah. games that was the, the one saving grace for him but I, I like his game overall i don't know if he's gonna be like a where he fits into an nba rotation but i mean i, I at the minimum for a couple of years it doesn't seem like there's gonna be that much of an opportunity cost you know maybe i, I guess some luxury tax bill not this year but next year but yeah i just i just like his game and he shot 
Yeah, I mean, he was one of 13 on threes, but he was 37% in the G League last year from three, 43% in his three seasons at SMU. So I I think that there's plenty of reason to believe that this is more the anomaly than some of the other stuff. And I like that he usually makes good decisions with the ball in his hands and he's a talented passer and I like his positional size. So I'm I'm still on board with Shake Milton, even though he, you know, had, had some struggles. Let's put it that way. Yeah, a couple other guys to talk about briefly for Philly. It looks like they're both going to be on two ways. Uh, Norvell Pelle, I think it's Pelle, or it's Pelle actually. Uh, Skinny, jumping jack, dunking, shot blocking center. Looked like he might be able to fulfill that role in the NBA. I thought he had a nice summer league. And Mariel Shayok just was making everything at at times. Just every time it was going up, you thought it was going in. With his jump shot, he looked like a, a pretty decent shooter and maybe a little bit more athletic than advertised. So those look like two decent flyers on two-way contracts let's talk about toronto briefly what did you make of chris boucher's summer league i i thought he did well so 23 points 10 rebounds 1.3 blocks 1.3 assists in 31 minutes a game made some threes and like i don't you know i'm still not all the way on board with him as like you know like at this defensive like centerpiece or anything like that but i i just i've, I've liked his game since he was on a two-way with the warriors i liked his game at oregon actually to be to, to bring it back there i don't know if he showed enough in summer league to like get a spot in the Raptors rotation they have so many I mean they have the established guys Gasol Ibaka Siakam obviously well ahead of him but then there's probably another spot for somebody like Rondé Hollis Jefferson maybe Boucher if he can get in there but what I what I was thinking about watching Boucher in summer league is that if Masai Ujiri decides for whatever reason to move on from one of their clear-cut bigs ahead of Boucher in the rotation I could see him sliding into a spot for the remainder of this year and just seeing how it works out yeah, I mean, Boucher has always produced. It was real good in the G League. He's got a lot of bounce, especially off of one foot coming back from that ACL injury that he suffered at Oregon. Seems more than fully recovered from that. A lot of length, but he's just so thin. You know, it's really not going to be possible to play him at center. He's really more of a four. But the way he shot the ball, it makes you think that that could be possible. I like him in transition, like him getting out and finishing. So certainly, I mean, to put up 23 points and do it efficiently was encouraging there uh how about dewan hernandez the raptors took hernandez with the second to last pick in the draft this year and gave him a five hundred thousand dollar guarantee so it looks like he's he's going to make the roster has two fully non-guaranteed seasons after the coming year i thought he did well he went to miami 611 235 guy and you know he I, I saw a little bit, a little bit from him defensively, and then just you know, eff- effective enough. Thirteen points a game, seven yeah. rebounds. When you say you, you you like what you saw from him defensively, anything in particular? I'm, I'm trying. I think it was more activity level than anything else. I didn't put any yeah. any specific notes other than that, and that's usually usually when I say that without putting in further notes, it's activity level. But because <laughs> otherwise, it'd be like nice blocks, nice rebounding, or something else like that. It's like oh, you probably played with good energy. But yeah, I I uh, you know again, not sure where he's going to fit in the rotation already 23 years old but the Raptors did this and then also with with Terrence Davis of you know like they have guys that they like and they had they ended up having maybe more roster spots to burn than they expected and so they just got guys that they're comfortable with on reasonable contracts the Terrence Davis story is interesting I'll talk about that briefly so Davis went undrafted and started summer league on the Nuggets team played in one game did really well for the Nuggets so the Raptors just gave him a fully guaranteed first season then he jumped over to the Raptors summer league team and he played for them 
them for the rest of it, had an average uh, 18, 6, and 5 in a few games and and went to Ole Miss before that. And so now he's on a fully guaranteed contract with the NBA champion. All right, let's finish this up here with the Washington Wizards. Start with Rui Hachimura. I thought Mike Schmitz's comparison for him in his scouting video of Harrison Barnes was an interesting one. The difference between Hachimura and Barnes is that Hachimura doesn't really profile as the level of spot-up shooter that Barnes was. Uh, you know, he turns down a lot of spot-ups, likes to dribble into plays in the mid-range. Now, the numbers were actually pretty good for him as an ISO and post-up score. Uh, 17 points on 18 combined possessions as ISO post-ups. But I remain skeptical that that's going to be too effective for him in the NBA. He's extremely deliberate in those areas, especially when he is forced to put the ball on the floor and make a move or his first move gets taken away you know if he can jab step the guy off he's got this flat shot which we talked about a little bit on the draft podcast that's really you know a much more comfortable shot from 17 feet than it is from nba3 a couple of nba3s uh but especially when he has to make multiple dribble moves he's not really creating separation he's kind of going with his head down he'll start just kind of trying to dribble around almost like he's a a guy back in like the 60s and 70s where you just would kind of dribble and dribble and dribble and hope to find a place to pull up and you know a lot of times these summer league guys were stuck to their man but nba help defense is a little more sophisticated he's gonna be very vulnerable to guys trying to dig down on those plays you know not really a passing threat did have a couple plays where he's able to get into the lane go for a spin move i liked him much more operating as a role man uh, playing some at, at the four his finishing around the rim is a weapon he can get up for some nice alley-oops uh, or uh, layups uh, good touch around the basket is able to use his shoulders create space uh, around there and he's got that shorter range pick and pop not really a threat out to three but you know he is a a very competent mid-range jump shooter uh only had two assists uh, the whole time though and i think the lack of feel overall is an issue right i mean you're you're putting a lot kind of on his plate to to become an effective player without expanding his range out to three i mean for me it's not even about you know like the the success rate he he was shot 30 percent but he only took six three-pointers in 95 minutes like if you're not a center it is incredibly hard to to be not only to be successful as an individual offensive player but think about the ramifications for that on the rest of the team because if the player doesn't have to be guarded out there if they if especially when they don't have the ball in their hands it just makes life harder on everybody else on drivers on on big men rolling to the rim on really any of those sorts of things he didn't Hashimura did make his free throws and as you said there are elements of his game that I like and sometimes he can you know he can he can make a move that intrigues you or get to a spot but i agree with you that the help defense and a lot of the other things are are going to be more complicated especially because at least he's going to start his career on a wizards team that's not going to be particularly good so I wonder how Scott Brooks is going to like what where he wants to play Hachimura in terms of what spacing around him, what role moving like in the early yeah, days. The, the role in particular, right? I mean, his best offensive feature right now seems to be this like face up ISO scoring, and I, I don't see that being a weapon certainly in the near term. No, I, I don't. I don't see that either. And Hachimura also uh, the three point shooting it connects something that was strangely prevalent for me on on all of the Wizards guys that played in summer league. Now some of them are. Talented 
talented three-point shooters that just missed missed them in summer league well, well here if you're going to transition one more sure. thing about hajimura uh you know defensively his athleticism his size and strength i mean he is definitely an nba athlete and he's not a great help for he did have five blocks in three games here but if he can actually guard big wings you know he, he had a pretty nice turn against rj barrett uh, back in college if he can guard big wings then some of these other flaws in his game uh, become a, a lot more acceptable uh you know maybe like a, a young wilson chandler is another kind of an, an analog for him uh, although again i think chandler looked a little bit more comfortable out to the nba three-point line as his career evolved but you know th- that maybe is kind of the player you know chandler had some iso and some post-up ability as well um you know but chandler wasn't like quite the a lockdown guy necessarily hachimura you could say probably even has a little more athleticism and, and size than chandler but that's that's kind of a the player that you could see him evolving into um but it, it is just kind of odd because you'd think like oh you know he's gonna be kind of like a mo harkless type and he'll he'll just shoot it but you know that's not the way he play and try to like find places to get some garbage buckets in the half court but he actually you know was scoring pretty well i mean he did put up some points even if it was a little ugly at times and in a way that may not translate to the nba you have to at least give him credit for performing well in this setting oh absolutely and we can move to troy brown who the wizards took 15th overall in 2018 and he did most of his action with the ball in his hands brown was very successful i would say surprisingly so as a pick and roll ball handler including passes he had 20 possessions and they the wizards scored 22 points on that that's that's a really good success rate and as we talked about you know having one of your best players not really take any jump shots that makes it can make it a little bit harder but i thought brown did well you know solid vision as a passer i don't have full confidence that that's going to like that that his, is his ideal role on an nba team that wants to be super competitive but even with that i mean so brown only took six three point attempted six three pointers in i believe it was 70 minutes and that's 70 percent one one of six on threes that's not good got to the free throw line 12 times that's a little bit better so like brown's fine like i I don't know exactly what his ideal role is on a successful team either but at least he showed some signs that he can that he that he has some some viability as some sort of rotation player in the near term yeah another guy again he's a little younger than hachimura but who profiles as someone who is best as a pick and roll ball handler his ability to work off the dribble as a wing at six 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 seven it appears to be his best attribute but limited athleticism limited shooting uh, are the big concerns i have i mean there are plays where you know he was just open for what would be a dunk for most guys like him and he's not able to dunk those plays you know i think that's a, it's definitely a concern the finishing uh was not amazing he also somehow had two points on 10 transition possessions he wasn't able to finish pretty well uh you know so when he was attacking off the dribble his finishing was a real struggle uh you know there are times when he was able to make cuts catch and finish with a layup underneath but you know again not not a dunk uh he also had to settle for a lot of runners uh, as well uh you mentioned the low three-point attempts that's about the same rate one three every 10 minutes that he had in the nba and was right right around 31 percent there um defensively it's again the limited athleticism you know that's just not how it seems clear that he's going to make his his money right now is as a defender he had, he had a gave up like a bad backdoor cut on the baseline in crunch time i think it was against the nets that was pretty ugly uh so 
there are a lot of people who seem to really like Troy Braun and like his feel for the game overall. Uh, and I can see that, that he knows how to play, especially offensively, but the skill level and the athleticism is not quite there yet for me. Uh, Admiral Schofield was actually in the same front court with Grant Williams. Those are a couple of brick shit houses uh, at the college level. Uh, big body at 6'7", a little over 240. He's not a great leaper. You know, he had this one dunk along the baseline where he was wide open and kind of just had to sneak it over the rim. Uh, the archetype for him is going to be a P.J. Tucker type. He's been aggressive with the three-point. It's got a little bit of a hitch to it. Uh, and uh, Schofield really started shooting the three-pointer more late in his college career. Uh, I wouldn't describe him as shooting an easy ball, but it doesn't look like totally broken from out there. He was coming off the bench, only playing 18 minutes a game and pretty low usage. Just two and nine on threes. Uh, to me, really, it's going to be all about uh, his defense. He's definitely a four in terms of his body type. You know, can he develop quick enough feet? You know, I don't think he's going to be a playmaker defensively necessarily, but can he switch a little bit, stay in front of smaller players, uh, hold his own if he has to guard a center? You know, I think that's probably more likely given his strong frame. Uh, so I wasn't wowed uh, by Schofield, but you at least see the thought process behind what he could become if it all works out. Right. And while Schofield struggled from three, like the rest of his Wizards brethren, two of nine in his 90 minutes, Schofield has the track record at, at Tennessee that I'm not nearly as worried. I mean, he shot 42% on 177 threes in just his senior year. So, and, and 39% overall at Tennessee. So yeah, it's not, it's hitchy. It's an, it's not perfect, but I do think that it will go in enough for opponents to respect it. And so if he can put it together enough, especially defensively to justify low end rotation minutes, I, I think that would be a pretty successful thing. And remember the wizards picked up this selection basically for taking on Jonathan Simmons partial guarantee. So they can get a potentially useful guy, especially, you know, on a team that needs forward depth. I, I think that would be a pretty successful thing. Uh, also this offseason, another guy that they acquired in kind of a salary focused deal was Mo Wagner. Wagner was taken 25th by the Lakers last year and then was basically included in the way to create more cap space for the Anthony Davis deal. And my issue with Wagner, and this was true going back to when he was at Michigan, we didn't watch much film on him, but I had just seen him play a couple of times, was I don't know what his calling card is in the NBA. Like to me, he's to me, I, I don't think he shoots an easy enough ball for me to. Yeah, I, I mean, if, if he's not going to be a great shooter, that's it for him. He's done. Like, the, and you know, if he becomes a great shooter, then you can kind of talk about some of the aspects of his game. But if that's not going to happen, then there's no point. Right. And I, I think, so I, I was interested. I went back and looked and he actually, uh, in, in PIPM was actually a slight positive last year. I would need to do a lot more digging to see if that was context-based. Also, you're yeah. dealing with, you know, he, he didn't, it's not like he played so much last year for the Lakers that we can read a lot into that. So maybe I want, I want to, I want to watch more defensive film of him to see if maybe there's a little bit there. Or maybe that was a little bit fluky, but you know, offensively in particular, like that's going to have to be a centerpiece for Wagner. And yeah, I mean, it, it, they're just, they're, aren't that many ways for a player to to, to succeed if they're not going to be impressive defensively or like he, I haven't seen much from him as a role man so we'll have to see where it goes but I'm not particularly enthused concur Isaac Bonga last person we'll talk about today the biggest thing that showed up to me you remember he's uh about a 6-9 point forward type uh was 18 when he was drafted spent most of the year playing for the South Bay Lakers uh the biggest thing that showed up to me is that he looks like he's gotten a lot stronger he's actually trying to use that strength now uh he's able to get a shoulder pass guys I actually uh, be aggressive getting to the basket the biggest thing that he needs to work on though is 
his Eurostep game. You know, he's going to have to rely on covering more ground because he's just not explosive off of one or two feet. So, but if he can get into the lane and then use those long strides to cover ground and create separation that way, I think that's how he's going to have to be effective around the basket. Uh, He's had a ton of chances to dunk plays around the rim that just, you know, he's not that type of an athlete. Uh, I thought he played hard. He's got pretty good length and, and size. And with his improving strength, like those are all encouraging. And, you know, he still has pretty decent ball handling ability, passing ability, uh, runs the floor hard in transition. Uh, still very young, as I mentioned. But the, the jump shot really, Danny, does not look good still at, at this point in time. Well, I mean, we didn't even really get that many opportunities for it. He took a total of five jump shots in all of Summer League, missed all five of them, and four of those yeah. were... And, and I watched all of them, and he just... It, it's a set shot. He's missing by quite a bit he doesn't look his feet don't look settled underneath him it doesn't look like it's going to be closed anytime soon no and so and one thing i want to mention also for for bonga and i can connect this back with admiral Schofield. so bonga fully guaranteed for this year non-guaranteed for 2021 so we'll see if we'll how, how this year establishes whether he's he's worth that contract and the wizards actually gave Schofield two fully guaranteed years then he has a non-guaranteed season so they're they're pretty well committed to or actually it's partially guaranteed third season so the wizards are pretty committed to some of these young guys on their team and that might lead to a challenging season because John Wall looks like he's going to miss most, if not all of it. But I mean, these guys are going to get playing time and that's going to be, I guess, fun. Yeah. And for a team that's not likely to be a big free agent destination, you know, if they have to cut one of these guys, they have better opportunities for those roster spots. You know, it's not a huge deal. Uh, all right. Anything you want to talk about before we go here? Well, so my piece on, uh, if you haven't read it yet, my piece on Draymond Green's extension is is up on The Athletic. You can check that out and a lot of other, I mean, there's just so much great content out there right now yeah and, and what is that link again i believe it's the athletic.com slash cap space because cap space is ah, something yes. we talk about a lot on the program and yeah so so you can you can check that out also if you haven't listened to it it's a little bit well it's not outdated because there's nothing timely in it but the podcast i did with seth part now for real jam radio was pretty cool and it was a, it's a very different conversation i in the off season sometimes i get into those conceptual things and it can last a little while so if you haven't listened to it yet you won't even though seth did like a million podcasts last week it's one that's distinct from from the others as well not no criticism to them of course all right and uh i think we'll probably do uh we're in position now that we've actually done all the work for these eastern conference teams summer league to maybe do uh eastern conference off-season grades uh, that'll probably be our next episode talk to y'all soon at bet 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every goal every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.